When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Friday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll into the weekend. We are going to have some fun. 800-282-2882. No guests scheduled, so we will take some of your calls to react to much of what we are discussing throughout the course of today's show. Going to have some fun. Uh, Margot Robbie, a.k.a. Barbie, Described as mediocre in her attractiveness. Buck and I have strong feelings on a Friday. Uh, Tucker Carlson's raising hundreds of millions of dollars. As According to the Wall Street Journal, he is poised to begin a new conservative media company. What do we think about that? Woke Disney under absolute siege in the wake of... We played some of the audio of Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, in his interview with CNBC, but... When you hear some of the details about more of the movies that are coming out, you're going to just be in disbelief, I think, about how much Disney has lost its way and allowed the woke virus to infect pretty much the entirety of the company. We will discuss that. Uh, But, Buck, I wanted to begin with this. So, earlier in the week during the show, we talked about the idea of Robert F. Kennedy, what his appeal is, and the possibility that he could even end up as the vice president for Donald Trump. And in the wake of that, I've been putting up some interesting polls on my Twitter feed. They've been retweeted by um, the uh, Clay and Buck feed, and I also will retweet this one right now. Uh, I initially said, hey, you can only pick one, Robert F. Kennedy or Mitt Romney, No other third party, no other options. Who would you vote for if you only had those two? And RFK Jr. beat Mitt Romney basically 80 to 20. That is with 70,000 of you some odd voting, 80% of you said, I'd rather vote for Robert F. Kennedy than Mitt Romney. This is interesting because RFK Jr. is ostensibly a Democrat. Obviously, Mitt Romney was the Republican standard bearer in the 2012 election. 
So then I followed it up this uh, yesterday afternoon, Buck, after our show ended, when those final results came in. I thought, okay, that's interesting. What about a more recent Republican standard bearer? Heck, what about somebody who's actually running for president right now, who we've had on this program? I said, what about RFK Jr. head-to-head against Mike Pence? And the numbers as we speak right now, Buck, 41,000 people have voted If you want to retweet Clay and Buck, I just retweeted this poll so you can go vote in it and let your voice be heard at Clay Travis on Twitter, at Clay and Buck, at Buck Sexton. Right now, over 40,000 of you have voted, and RFK Jr. is beating Mike Pence 74% to 26%. These are not close. And so, Buck, as I looked at those numbers and I read some of the comments, uh, what, what really kind of came clear to me, and this is my thesis, and I'm curious if you would buy into this. Much of the audience out there, a huge percentage of our audience, but I think a huge percentage of, frankly, Democrats, independents, Republicans, I think there's a huge mass of people out there that are so angry over what happened in COVID, uh, with COVID and so angry over what they've seen associated with big tech censorship and the collusion in the Biden administration and all of the lies that we have been told over the last several years, that there is a massive reaction against establishment candidates, right? The Mitt Romneys, the Mike Pences, the uh, the uh, Paul Ryans, the people who really want to work within the existing systems. And there is a desperate craving for anti-establishment candidates who will speak truth and stand up to these large institutions, regardless of the D or the R beside their names. And I think that speaks to RFK Jr. hitting a certain tone that is reflected in the population right now. And Buck, what it made me think about was, and why I think Trump, if he's going to again attempt to do what he did in 2016, which is be the anti-establishment candidate, the FU candidate to the existing power structure, as it were, that actually could make a lot of sense with RFK Jr. But what's interesting to me is there aren't very many anti-establishment candidates in the Republican Party right now running for president, right? Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, uh, even Chris Christie to a certain extent, all of them on some level, certainly Asa Hutchinson and All of them on some level are quote-unquote establishment candidates. Do you buy into this? Do you think we are in an era? Because right now the narrative that I would say Americans are demanding in 2024 is an anti-establishment repudiation of the expert class that destroyed, I think, much of the fabric of freedom in this country with their COVID totalitarianism, which then has spread and metastasized through everything uh, dealing with censorship, dealing with big tech, dealing with your inability to feel like you can say what you actually think in this country and be protected while doing so. Does that add up to you? Because I think that's where the voting zeitgeist is as we approach people actually being able to cast ballots in January. Uh, Well, it's really early. And if you look at the history of the last few elections and look at July and look at the polls on both sides you will see that doesn't really tell you very much about what people actually do when it comes time to cast their ballots. So is there a sense right now? Look, 
I think you have to break this up into buckets or into tranches. Like you're saying, the American people want. The American people didn't want accountability for COVID and an anti-system vote that badly in 2022. That is not what we saw. Okay, well, let's also ask this question. Who gave the, who gave people that option in 2022? Well, I would argue we, there we, weren't that many great anti-establishment candidates in 2022. There are a lot of people who said, okay, the election was rigged, but I actually didn't hear that many people go out and say they totally failed you on COVID, right? I, and, and the government, like who, I, I'm just, I'm just curious because I think it's an interesting question. Who would you have said was the most anti-establishment candidate running statewide in 2022? I mean, you had some definitely non-traditional candidates like, Herschel Walker and Blake Masters and Carrie Lake, and there were people who didn't end up doing well in the non-establishment lane. Um, but I think more to the point, the whole the narrative that we had over the system failure. I mean, Clay, I, and at some level, I have a cognitive dissonance here because I every day I'm like, how are people more upset about what happened? Yeah. So, so I, I I'm you're, with you. You're it. with I mean, me it, on it, the on the on mindset. That, yeah. But I just feel like what we see right now. Uh, you know, our RFK Jr., look, I'm just going to say it. He's not going to beat Joe Biden in the primary. It's not going to happen, okay? If Joe Biden drops out or something, that's different. But if Joe Biden stays and RFK Jr. stays, he is not going to win the Democrat primary. Mark my words, mark it down, put it on the calendar, not going to happen. Because Democrats want power, right? So that's the system reset or a system change for them that's just, you know, their activist Bernie, Bernie bros wing will make some noise. At the end of the day, they march in lockstep. They are the hive mind. So that, that's how I view the Democrat side of it. The 20% who are, is that the number right now? What are they? Who, who, what is the RFK? Is about 20%? 20% roughly. 20%. Yeah. They're, they're Bernie bros in essence. They're people who don't like, you know, Joe Biden's an old white man and he's out of touch and he's, uh, he's too old. Um, and they're making noise about that right now. At the end of the day, a Democrat Party is going to do whatever their likeliest victory path is. And I think that still is Joe Biden. That could change, right? If, if all of a sudden we get in the open primary, if Biden's not the guy, then, then I think that changes the analysis of the Democrat side. On the Republican side, I understand this because, you know, you've got, a, you got a couple things going. One is Trump is the, Trump is the anti-establishment candidate who was the former president. Correct. And there is Which a cognitive makes it hard to be there. anti-establishment. Right. Yes. I mean, he was the establishment for four yes. years, taking a non-establishment position, obviously. And that's why the system and the deep state and everything tried to. But it's a, it's an interesting thing, you know, to be when you've been the CEO for the company for four or five years, you turn around, you're like, whoever's running things here, you know. This is where you get into how do you reform the system and what's the best way to do it. I think on the Republican side, you're right that there are not that many anti-establishment candidates in the mix right now. The wave of the, it's funny because we've, our perceptions have changed so much. You remember the Tea Party at the time was considered just ever, ever go back. We have a lot of Tea Party people listening now. Go back to 2010. And you think about that class of congressional, you know, wins that we had for the Republicans. A lot of those Tea Party people, they are the geo, they're the GOP establishment now. A lot of them, right? Yeah. You know, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and, you know, you, you get on this list of all these guys. And I don't even, I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but they are the most well known, most, you know, most, um, influential members of the GOP with the exceptions of like Mitch McConnell and some others. Uh, but they've become establishment. Who is coming from outside the system to 
break down the system now. RFK Jr. has found that lane, and that's why he's getting... My my thing with the RFK Jr. phenomenon, we've already talked about, is he... He's a Democrat, right? So why not run as a Republican unless he's actually a Democrat? And if he's a Democrat, I don't want him in charge. So I, I, that's a... There's a balance there, right? And people can say, oh, but I like him on this or I like him on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like Tulsi Gabbard on, on a lot of things, and she realized she wasn't a Democrat anymore, you know? So now she's an independent. Why isn't RFK Jr. going in the independent lane? I would have that question. So I just think it's very early in seeing that evolution politically. Um, and I do think that there's a frustration right now because it is very hard. Look, 50% of the GOP is locked in on Trump right now. Right. Basically, that's where we are. That's what the polls show. That means 50 percent of the GOP is not yet locked in on Trump. And I think that they'll all vote for Trump in the end uh, if they you know, if he makes the case. And but in the meantime, what you have is, all right, what is going to be different in the system this time around? What's that? And that's a process that's I should say that's a part of the campaign is why is it going to be? more effective this time or what are the next stages if you thought the first four years were very effective at tearing down the establishment if you make that case i think that there's at least part of the gop base that's sitting around saying well what is going to be the extension of that for four more years we haven't heard that yet i think we're going to be hearing more of that so i i I, this is just a way of saying that i think that we're it's like trying to call who's going to be the winner of a basketball game Six minutes into the first quarter, or maybe but, after but does the first it, quarter. Does it surprise you that RFK Jr. would be tra- trouncing Mitt Romney and Mike Pence? No, because we polls? we're politics now is a cult of celebrity. We we should be very honest about that. Whether it's Obama or Trump or or anybody else, it's a media game of building movements. It's about the persona now. I mean, how many people? This would be a fun question. How many people that have cast ballots? in the last four election cycles, let's say, really actually went to the candidate's website and, like, read all the policies. Almost none, right? So people, I'm just saying, people vote for personas. They vote for how someone makes them feel in terms of the connection. Yes, I, you know, I, right. I'm subject to this, too. I'm not saying, like, other people do this, but this is just how our politics has evolved. And RFK Jr. right now on a few key issues is resonating with people in a way that is getting some independents, that is getting some Democrats and getting some Republicans, which to me just feels more and more like it's independent or third party. That's why all this talk about, well, is he going to you know, win the Dem? Why run as a Democrat? Unless I this think, is, yeah, just- it's a good question. We should have him on again uh, to your point, Buck. And this is that studies have consistently shown what percentage of people do you think have a coherent political philosophy? That is, their arguments line up consistently in a way where you would say, okay, that's a code. They're not a mishmash of a variety of different perspectives. I mean, I think that there are people who are just party line voters who are right. dogmatic in that but e- sense. But even that, they have opinions that don't fit the party. Oh, 10%, 10% of Americans are like consistent, have a consistent political philosophy that they apply regardless. The other 90%, to your point, are responding to, oh, I like the way that sounds. I like yeah. the way this feels. I like the marketing surrounding a candidate. Um, that's a pretty staggering number, right? In other words, people believe contradictory things when you quiz them on 
what exactly they uh, what exactly they stand behind. I just I see a, a presidential cycle like this, and I try to think back to what it has been like in the past. And people surge, and people have have moments, and and they catch the you know. I think you're what you're talking about. When you say they've caught the zeitgeist. Yes, obviously JFK Jr. Right now, there's something. There's something going on with him right now that's gotten all of this. He's he understands the media game. Um, he understands how to bring attention to issues that people want to hear about. These are all important things. But I remember also, um, now this is actually during the more active period of the primary, but remember Newt Gingrich, former Speaker yeah. of the House? He had a moment where he just slapped down the media aggressively during a debate, and all of a sudden for a few weeks there, everybody was talking about Newt. Now, it didn't, didn't last that yeah, long in the polls, right. but I'm just saying, you know, Herman Cain with 999. I mean, I could sit here and go through Rudy Giuliani, the overwhelming front runner. At one point during a presidential contest, a lot basically, you know, a lot's going to change between now and the election. So I mean, what I guess I'd ask for you, we can come back and get into this some more is what's really what is RFK Jr. going to do that changes this election cycle when all said and done? You know, is this is this? Well, I'll answer that question because I've got a yeah. theory. I got a theory. Well, on this, that I think that's what we have to get to, because, yeah, yeah, zeitgeist. Yeah, the movement. But what's it all going to mean in the end? Innovation Refunds has helped thousands of small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. If you're a small business owner who started filing for the ERC tax refund, got stuck halfway, you should give Innovation Refunds a try. Some companies have a super complicated process, don't have anyone with experience to help you navigate through what can be very complicated. Innovation Refunds hears this all the time, and they can help you finish today, even if you started your filing with another company. Innovation Refunds team of independent tax attorneys are experienced in understanding ways that different kinds of companies can claim tax deductions as a result of COVID. Innovation Refunds has been helping eligible businesses claim their ERC tax refunds since 2021. They may be able to help your business too. Go to innovationrefunds.com to see if you qualify. No upfront charges. They don't get paid unless you get paid. You can also call them at 1-843-REFUNDS. That's 1-843-REFUNDS. Innovationrefunds.com. That's innovationrefunds.com. Play Travis and Buck Sexton. On the front lines of... Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality podcast this is where we discuss all things reality tv all things popular culture and a little bit of rapaport's reality the reality of bit. us we're a figuring out and if we had been recording these last four or five days Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. 
And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snow White and the Seven Politically Correct Companions is the headline on the Daily Mail right now. Uh, This is a movie that is going to come out. It's a full-scale, live-action Disney remake of the animated classic that I I would bet over 90% of the audience has seen at some point, whether when you were a kid or you've watched at least some with your children, Clay, have you seen the photos? I just because you sent it to me. I, even for somebody who has been ripping woke Disney to shreds, this is this is ridiculous. They're they're making Snow White and the Seven. They're they're not they're not using Seven Dwarves anymore. I don't even know if they're going to have. Maybe they're going to change the name to Snow White and her buddies or something. Snow but, White and the Seven Little People. Uh, no, no, they're but they're not even little people. They're just people now, but they're very diverse. It's they're, a, wait, they're not little anymore? No, that's what I'm saying. They're normal size, very diverse, male and female, and I'm sure non-binary. We will talk about this. <laughs> this is just, you know, the Disney Corporation, folks. This is what's going on here. The battle for the life of unborn children is one we can never relent on, my friends. Just yesterday, the Food and Drug Administration approved the first over-the-counter birth control pill that will likely be for sale in drugstores next year. How do you and I help protect unborn children? One proven way is by continuing to support Preborn. This nonprofit has been working tirelessly for 17 years now. They provide free ultrasounds to mothers who are going through a difficult decision in their lives with their pregnancy. Preborn is over 200 times a day on average across all their clinics providing these free ultrasounds because if a mother sees that heartbeat, sees that life growing inside her, a majority of the time she will choose life. Please stand with Preborn. Using your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com slash buck online. That's pound two five zero and say the keyword baby. Welcome back in Clay Travis, Buck Sexton show. By the way, Buck, you asked um, what I thought the impact of RFK Jr. could be. I think the biggest impact could be that he ensures that the COVID failures remain 
paramount as we move into the 2024 elections. And ultimately, and this is kind of a funny thing, I think he could inoculate, dad joke there, I don't know, inoculate Trump if Trump were to pick him on what I think is one of the weakest parts of Trump's 2024 campaign so far, which is arguing that the COVID shot is some huge scientific victory and that he is very proud that it happened. I think that could play poorly in the Republican primary when it actually ends up as a point of debate. And we'll talk about this with Tucker, who is making news about this already. But that would be my theory. I also think he makes it hard for the media, harder for the media to claim, oh, this is just a stupid right-wing anti-science thing when RFK Jr. is like, no, actually, the COVID shot is not the success story that everybody's claiming. So I will I will lay out my bias here on this just because I, I think I for me, COVID should have been a single issue voter issue for everybody in the entire country. I, I yep. honestly feel that to the point where, you know, even on the book I'm working on now, you know, you know what I've early uh, early stuff I'm dealing with is like a little less a little less fury about some of the COVID stuff. But you know, I'm like, all right, all right. You know, some of the people I'm having to, you know, read some of my early drafting and I sit here and I'm like, look. I don't understand how people don't realize how close we came to no longer living in a free society. Full stop. Yeah. And we, we weren't living in a free society for a while. People don't want to hear it. I mean, this is the, the, the challenge that I have is you're saying this and I want to agree with you because yeah. I agree in principle that that should be how it lines up. But I think a lot of people, uh, at this point, they just want to think about other things and they don't, and they want, they're worried about, look, and I, I'm not putting down these worries. They're real worries, but you know, they're worried about inflation and they're, they're concerned about, uh, you know, illegal immigration and they're concerned about fentanyl and drugs in the streets and everything else. And COVID, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I want to believe, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. Who, who lost their job in politics over covid in a meaningful way so far it you're has, right the only one the only one that i know this is this is the ultimate yeah. irony Cuomo of was, it was for grabbing ladies and like smooching their uh smooching their Correct. cheeks and stuff the right only, it wasn't this is what's crazy everybody's furious 2022 election only one statewide office holder republican or democrat who ran for re-election as an incumbent lost only one Governor Steve Sistelak, I might have just messed up his name, Democrat governor of Nevada, lost to Joe Lombardo. Only that one wasn't incumbent a, lost. That's not a, you know, that he's not, that wasn't Gretchen Whitmer, you know, right. it wasn't Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom won in recall, everybody. You know, we, we, we just have to look at what, you know, what the system, I knew a, a, a hedge fund guy used to talk about what he called repeat surprise. And it's where you learn things and then you convince yourself that things you learned aren't true and then you make the same mistake again. Common in finance, common in a whole lot of things. I think that the indicators we've had are that I think that there's a portion of the American population that's not just very fired up over COVID. They're very fired up fired up over vaccines and the FDA in general. Um, this has existed on the right and actually on the left. It's one of those things where you have... The anti-vaccine, not just COVID vaccine, anti-vaccine criticism. And it's tough because they're not saying no vaccines. They're talking about greater vaccine safety. So the terminology can be imprecise here, and I understand that. But you have kids that are, you know, their parents work at Google and live in Palo Alto. They don't want to get vaccines. And you have people who are very anti-government and live in rural areas and don't trust the FDA. 
they don't want to get vaccines. So I think RFK Jr. is tapping into that, which is its own thing. It's a little bit even, it's part COVID, but it's something else too. And I just don't know if that lasts as people, you got to remember the Biden, we haven't even seen what the Biden campaign is right now. The full-scale propaganda. I think a lot of it is going to be, it's going to be January 6th videos all the time. I get What it. do you think CNN's plan? You know what I mean? We're, so we're going to be saying, hey, what about like COVID vaccines that didn't work so well, right? This, and This is where the anti-establishment thing to me comes in so much, Buck. You know what Steve Jobs said when people asked him when he was making the iPhone or when he was making the iPad? They said, hey, we're doing a lot of market research. People say they don't want this. Steve, and I'm paraphrasing. Steve Jobs said, it's my job to let them know why they should want it. And I think we have so many politicians today who sit around and look at the polling and try to chase the wave as opposed to to setting the wave themselves. And that, to me, is one of the great flaws, right? They're chasing where the audience is. Another good analogy here uh, from Sportsbook. I love it. I try to teach my kids it all the time. They asked Wayne Gretzky, how do you score so many goals? Uh, for I'm not a huge hockey guy, but all your hockey fans out there are like, yes. And, and the answer was, he said, I don't skate where the puck is. I skate where the puck is going. I feel like so many of our politicians are a year or 18 months or two years behind because it takes that long for the polling to work its way through. And I I just, to your point, Buck, I don't know. I mean, DeSantis won by almost 20 points. And if I were talking to the DeSantis campaign, I would say, why did you win by almost 20 points in Florida? Because you were right. But you got the wave years after you were right does that but make this sense is, this is a perfect example though right i mean based on what we've seen so far it it was consolidated in florida people recognized how right he was do people in michigan care do people in arizona care do you know what i mean this this is the and and you know i, I think you're looking at in the case of of desantis the single and and look the the trump campaign is attacking him saying he wasn't good on covid and I people are writing, people are writing to us saying, no, there, that, that's true. He wasn't good on COVID. So nothing is, but, but what nothing I'm is established. Is, nothing is clear yet. Uh, I think that's true, but you don't hit the, if you are chasing a wave, think about it from a surfing perspective. And I've tried to surf and I suck at it. And really hard. People out yeah, there. I tried. I yeah, it's very too. difficult. Yeah. There's people out there in California who are going to be way better at this. But if you try to chase an existing wave, you never take off. Because the wave is already past you. If you wait and and put yourself in position and work on paddling and everything else, you can ride that wave and you and you take off. And so I think that nobody's making the case. I think that there are a lot of Republicans running right now who are worried about appealing to the establishment. Because that's where you go get the money, right? If you're super successful, you don't actually want that much to get rattled. If you're cutting a check for $100,000 to somebody... You're, you want them to be stable. There's a disconnect, I think, between the donor class and the people out there who are fed up with the direction of the country, and so far those aren't connecting. So you can raise $100 million, but if you're out there selling what the donor class likes, you aren't connecting with the base. Yeah. And that is where the Trump rallies are so intuitive and why Trump, I think, has had such a good connection because he's never really been a donor class guy. He's been a base guy. It's interesting also... I do think you could make 
a very, and I'll make the case because it's quick and it's easy, that Trump's biggest victories of policy, not of messaging and movement building, but his biggest victories of policy came from using the system as it is, but making the right decisions within, as in excellent judges on the Supreme Court, yep. massive legacy there, right? He didn't say, we're going to put 30 judge justices, you know, he didn't, he didn't try to change everything. He didn't, you know, if you're talking about truly being anti-establishment in policy, um, people talk about the great Trump economy. He did tax cuts, Paul Ryan style tax cuts, if we're yep. going to be honest about it. Um, and that, and it worked and it was good. I mean, again, Arthur these, these Laffer, are, who we've this had is on, genius, genius. Right. This, this is, yeah. this is not, but I'm just saying the, the like tear down the system thing. People talk about this, but what was really torn down? Then what would really be torn down now? I would also even argue that uh, the better immigration, uh, the better immigration policies, building a wall. It's kind of funny. They, building a wall relies on the system to get it built, but is anti the system in terms of the po- the politics of it. Right. But you need to obviously have a machinery behind you to build the the total mileage of of upgraded wall, et cetera, that he had. And And I think you could argue that enforcing the law is in some way now an anti-establishment position, certainly when it comes to immigration. So I'm just, there's complexities here. There's some, yeah. you know what I mean? There's the, it's, it's, what does it mean to be a former president who's anti-establishment, but who's racked up some wins using the establishment, right? That's what you see with Trump. And with RFK Jr., he's anti-establishment, but if he's not a Kennedy, are we even talking about him? Do we even know about him? There, there's no doubt. I mean, look, if, if Trump doesn't inherit, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars from his father that we talk about him look I, i'm just uh, yeah I'm i mean there's a to... lot of guys there's a lot of guys who get into politics let's be honest and girls that are born born on third base so but a lot of people have, have a lot, lot of mo- a lot of people have yeah. a lot of money and you know don't beat hillary clinton when 99 percent of the media etc are aligned with you know it, the money is look it's it's helpful to have money in life there's no question i mean the rfk jr thing is that's well that's I being built right into politics right i mean totally but if you're john f kennedy or robert f kennedy's sons how many of those guys have zero balls by which i mean it's a pretty good life right people fet you because of who your dad was you were rich and teddy people like you the, the, the lion of the Senate, let's not forget, which was grotesque. But anyway, Teddy Kennedy was a big deal for a long time. Too. But, but I mean, it, what I'm getting at, and I think Trump ties in here, too, there's lots of billionaires. Most billionaires don't have actual balls, right? In terms of being willing to put themselves out there on the front lines and take slings and arrows for what they do. Remember, if Trump had never run for president, he would still be getting his name dropped in every rap song. He would still be able to show up at every golf event, and people no, would I, I, across the board Trump love him. Trump was right? an anti-establishment candidate. There's no question about it. I'm just saying, what is an anti-establishment candidate now who's a former president and the no, front runner? No, I think runner, it's a challenge. You know, you know, it's a different thing, right? It's a di- the, the I'm going to come in and smash up the system this time. You know, it has to be a continuation of the first term. That's just yeah. baked into all of this. Um, and and you're looking at. Other than Trump and RFK Jr., is there anybody who feels like they're operating outside of the established political? And, and I think this is your fundamental point, yeah. just to bring us. Is there anyone who's operating out? You know, there isn't some out. There's not a Ross Perot. There's not an outsider candidate beyond that in either side of things, uh, even even looking at um, lesser candidates in terms of the polls. So I just I feel like I sit here, though, and I I think that 
we will look back on the conversations we're having now about the 2024 election in January and February and be like, wow, nobody could have seen how that was going to play. I mean, we've got we got a president facing multiple federal indi- or multiple indictments, one federal. We got, you know, uh, you got a million. You know, who knows where the economy is going to be? Is Russia going to you know invade Poland? We got a million things that could happen. So the dynamics now are interesting, but I just I from my mindset urge a little a little caution with I'll thinking give you that this one is how right it's going to be. If we had been talking in at Christmas and I had told you that Trump was going to have opened up a 25 or 30 point lead as we come up on totally. mid July, that would have seemed highly unlikely sitting in Christmas, right? But does Seven anyone even ago. remember now that at one point Ron DeSantis was within single digits of Donald Trump in the polls? Does anyone even remember that? Cuz that happened. Yeah. You know, and now it feels like, oh, well, that was, you know, didn't, you know, that's folks, that's why it's fun to roll here with us because uh, it's a dynamic business we're in. There's a respected Wall Street, former uh, Wall Street insider who has a warning for us all related to the way currency systems in our nation may change. Tika Tawari is his name. He believes our federal government could soon announce a mandatory recall on the U.S. dollar. Those will be replaced with a new digital version that will be radically different from what you have seen in your bank account. Tika Tawari is warning that the official announcement could come as soon as July 26th. That's less than two weeks from now. He's exposing this government plan in a controversial new video and showing you the three steps you need to take to prepare. Go to dollarrecall.com to watch this video that likely some in our government hope you don't see, so you should definitely check it out. Go to dollarrecall.com and learn how to prepare before it's too late. Your savings account could depend on it. One more time, that's dollarrecall.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Get to know the guys outside the issues. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck, a new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Play and Buck. I want to take some of your calls here, 800-282-2882. You know, what do you think right now? If the, if we're looking at the matrix of uh, American politics, what are you seeing here on the screen? Um, anything that you're agreeing with we're seeing? Anything that you think that we need to be focused in on more? Um, I, I So Clay, Clay ran these polls, RFK Jr. versus Romney, and then it was also Mike Pence. Smoked them both. Yeah, yeah well, that, we blame blame you for that one. <laughs> um, anyway, we have... Uh, we have Mel in Kentucky uh, has some thoughts on Vivek. What's up, Mel? Hey, uh, I just think that Vivek, Vivek um, is positive, young, smart, you know, um, and I think that I was all on board with DeSantis because I just can't. I will vote for Trump if I have to. My husband will not, and I won't be able to con- con- uh, get him to. But with DeSantis, so who would sorry? I, let me sorry to cut you off, but like, who would okay. your husband vote for instead? Either DeSantis or Vivek. But, but what I'm if Trump's the nominee? Is what I'm saying. He wouldn't vote probably. Mm. Interesting. And he's not real political. Um, I might be able to convince him to. But what I think they that people equate DeSantis with Trump and they already go after him for his legislation that he's passed. They say, don't say gay, the book banner, the, you know, the guy who goes after Disney where Vivek, I think he can win in the general uh, independence because he doesn't have the record to, you know, and I think that he's very charismatic. Can I point out something? Mel is actually, Vivek is a is a non traditional non establishment kind of candidate not a not a governor not a you know so correct you got and, and it's interesting to your point Clay thank you for calling in Mel a uh, very astute um, he's doing very well because there's clearly a hunger right now for that it's a, kind of funny we I think of Vivek as more just because I've known him for years and known him from Fox and you know you know we go back a little bit um, but yeah he's a non he's a non establishment candidate and he is already. I mean, it's been a win for him. He's got national recognition and doing very well for himself. David in Superior, Wisconsin. David, what do you have for us? Thanks, guys. You know, in my humble opinion, I think a vote for Trump in the primary is playing right into the hands of the Democrats. Uh, And here's what I mean. You know, when I think of Democrats, I always try to think, what's the most diabolical, chaotic things they can do um, to disrupt the election? 
And it's not let uh, prevent Trump from getting the nominee and then prosecute him and put him in prison. It's allow him to get the nomination and then prosecute him and put him in prison. So out of the 50 percent of the GOP, you said that are locked into Trump. I mean, what percentage of these guys really hate Trump? And they just want to be saboteurs, and they want to ensure that he does get the nomination because they know what's going to happen. It's a good, interesting, interesting call. I don't think, Buck, you you may disagree. I don't think that there's going to be in the Republican primary that many people voting just to try to sabotage the overall Republican vote, right? I think 50% of the primary, so far, roughly, is committed to Trump. I think 50% are committed to a variety of other candidates, but I don't buy into, oh, Democrats are trying to implement in some way the outcome. And I think most people don't. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.